Mannequin Chill, we are back. We are talking players we wish we had more exposure to going into the season. We are on the eve of the 2023 season, Shane. Talking players we wish we had more of. So let's get right into it. We're going to go through one at each position. And first, before I ask you specifically to name your players, do you ever sit there and say, man, I wish I had more of these specific players? Or is it more of, I wish I had more of like a specific type of archetype or a specific type of build? Because I struggled with this topic. So I know you have players, you're more player centric than me to a degree, but do you ever sit back and go, I wish I had more of these players, but really what I miss is I wish I had a better roster build or a different type of build. Nope. It's all about the players. I get envious of people when they're like, I have 115% roster ship of player X. And I'm like, well, I only have 20%. So that kind of breaks my heart. I also know that it's my own fault because that's how my brain works. So I'm destined never to probably crest 30% roster ship of any player. And when I get to 20%, I start to get a little, I don't want to say nervous, but I start going, all right, I need to diversify these bonds a little bit and let me see what I can, uh, what I can do with these players. Can I, can I turn this T Higgins into a Chris Godwin and something else? Can I turn this Chris Olave into Drake London and someone else? seems like whenever I get to that 25% share, uh, a roster ship is when my brain starts to force me to trade away players. So even though I say yes, I wish I had more of a specific player. Once I have them and I have too many of them, then I start trading them. I struggled with this. As you can see, I got the process over players shirt on here. It's hard to see the whole thing, but yeah, process over players. So this was a tough one for me. So I did follow the rules, one at each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Uh, but I think you'll have a much easier time coming up with your list. So let's start quarterback, Shane. A quarterback you wish you had more exposure to going into the 2023 season. Who we got? Actually, and I'm going to go high end. It's Patrick Mahomes. As much as I love high end quarterbacks, apparently something about me tries to get them on the cheap because I only have one Patrick Mahomes. Now, mind you, and I know this is the opposite of what we're talking about. Mind you, I do have a ton of Kyler Murray and Sean Watson and Jalen Hurts and stuff like that. But that's because I bought them low. I don't, I don't have a lot of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, and I, I know that feels like an obvious one because he's the quarterback one. But there was a time, remember last year before last season, people thought Josh Allen was the quarterback one. And there was some noise about how Patrick Mahomes was going to fall down the list a little bit. Maybe he wasn't as good as we thought he was. And then he went out there and was the, I don't know, QB three or so overall with basically me and you as his wide receivers. And obviously Travis Kelsey, that helped. So just take that as a lesson too, though. So if you see some cheap Kyler Murray, you see some cheap Sean Watson out there, maybe now's the time to pounce on those so you can build up your portfolio. So when they're talked about in that Lamar Jackson, when they're talked about in that breath, that neighborhood with Patrick Mahomes, maybe you could have some too. Not you specifically, but you the listeners. So real quick, why do you have only one? Is it because you've tiered off of Mahomes for mm -hmm. lesser QBs, other assets, or were you always pretty low on him? What's the deal with only having one? Because it feels no. like you've been in a lot of leagues for a while. You should have more than one. You should. I, I mean, I, I've teared off of him a lot. Other times, I just wasn't lucky enough to get the 101 in a draft, and I wasn't willing to pay up to move up to that section in the startup. And then even in derbies, a lot of times I, I like to pick, you know, like 104, 105. I like people to make decisions for me because I don't want my pick to be 212 on the way back. And I want to be able to have that second round. They're good enough that I can entice someone to let me move back up into the first round with it. That's mostly why. For me, it's Kenny Pickett. I only have one Kenny Pickett. I know we've had some fun debates about Kenny Pickett versus Mac Jones and do they really matter? So Kenny Pickett's just gotten a lot of buzz the last 
three, four months, had a good preseason. The reason I didn't have a ton of him was just because there was only one quarterback in last year's rookie draft. And with where the current landscape was at QB, I just didn't take him. And there was always somebody else going, well, he's a first round quarterback and I'd rather take him over a wide receiver. So I had none, ended up acquiring three in the off season, but I've already traded away two and I only have one left. Now, do I think Kenny Pickett has a top 12 ceiling? Maybe I can squint, say he has maybe one season, two seasons that that fits in that range. Uh, but I do think he has a much better shot than I gave him credit for to just land in the, hey, he's a solid QB2 range. And I think the thing we undervalued most is that he's with an organization that had a plan when they drafted him and are going to see that plan through with a lot more confidence than we probably have seen from other teams that draft QBs. I mean, was he more talented than Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield or even Zach Wilson or some of these other guys that have come through? Probably not, but he landed in a spot where they had a plan and there's stability. So even if two years from now, there's talks of, man, Kenny Pickett hasn't had a season over 500 or both years they've been nine and eight and he's the 18th best QB in the NFL. Is that a guy you really want to pay on the open market? That's a different discussion. But if you're telling me he's going to get there, he's going to get four or five years worth of starts, then I think I'd be willing to buy in at where his price was and maybe where his price is right now. So I only have one. The problem, Shane, is trying to acquire Kenny Pickett. This isn't a good time to buy him because he's trading for top 15 QB prices to where you might be able to get a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young for a Kenny Pickett in a second or something like that. To the where now I'm going, all right, I'm willing to go the other way. Uh, But I just wish I had more. So I think the only way I can get them, uh, what do you think, tearing off of somebody like a Dak Prescott or a Tua Tagovailoa, someone like that? You think you could get the Kenny Pickett plus a second plus an extra starter? I'm I'm 100% comfortable making that tear down. Look, I I liked Kenny Pickett like this is a strong word. I, I liked him a little bit more than the market last year, I think, mostly because I could get him cheap. And I, and I had him in a number of leagues. So now I only have him in three because I've, I've moved him in a few leagues. I definitely wish I had more. But yeah, I, I, if I could move from Tua or Dak down to Kenny Pickett, pick up a starter in a second, I'd do that in a heartbeat. And obviously we're talking about start 10, start 11, not like start eight, start nine leagues like that. Cause that, that's a whole different uh, discussion. Yeah. I think it's the tear down is how you have to get to pick it. If you want to buy more or you just send a random late first, I guess, if you really need a quarterback and it's like, that's what you can get them for then fine. But I think, Right now, right before the season is a hard time to make that because a lot of teams have already been set up the way they want and they're not just going to sell a random QB for what they think could be like a mid to late pick. So plant your flag, but that's one where I wish I had just a couple more shares. I literally only have one out of 53 leagues. I wish I was like at three or four. That's where I'm up with Tua, Derek Carr, that type, Jordan Love, Geno Smith. Like if I'm up in the three, four range, I can live with being in that range with a bunch of those other guys there. So uh, tight end. So I'll go with tight end. Uh, There's a ton of different tight ends that I could probably say that I wish I had more of. It's a tie of where I would go, but I think looking at my exposures right now, I would have to say it's probably Sam Laporta. And it's only because I think if you look at their depth chart, there's a chance that early in the year, he kind of pops as a usable tight end right away. He's already got the draft capital. He's already got a profile to go along with his draft capital. And he's on what I think is going to be an exciting offense for fantasy, meaning people are going to like whatever weapons are there, even if they're bad, like Josh Reynolds or Khalif Raymond. There's going to be players there where you go, huh? But they're actually producing. So I think Laporta can pop early. The danger is if somebody like that pops early, what? 
then happens in the community. People projected that his ceiling is going to be Mark Andrews. And the odds that he goes from a good tight end to an elite one is very low. But I think there will be some tier opportunities to where I could see a world where you are buying a disappointing Kyle Pitts for a Sam Laporta in a second. Like I can see a world where that deal goes down within the first couple weeks of the season. And I don't think they're even comparable from who I would want long-term. So I think Sam Laporta, I only have 5% of Sam Laporta, three out of 53 leagues. And again, if I would have just drafted him on the hopes that he pops early, I can make a profit on him because you could have got him in some decent spots. So I'll go Sam Laporta. So you're looking for guys that you can sell. I like it. Well, in in that instance, you're looking for someone that you can sell. Me, it's someone that I should have bought more of. Um, I'm going high end again. It makes me mad that I didn't do it. Pitts, Kyle Pitts. I don't have enough Kyle Pitts. Two leagues, that's it. And what's more galling about that is I could have gotten him for a severe discount after last season. And that's when I should have tried to do the buying on him. I tried to do the buying on him in the last two months. And that's when people start thinking about, well, the season's going to start and he could be a difference maker. I'm not going to move him when you're going to try to give me a random first. I'm not going to move him when you try to give me Dallas Goddard in three seconds. I guess that's also part of my problem is I'm not willing to pay market. So I'm still trying to buy him at below below market prices. And I just can't. Mostly the reason I wish I had more than him is it's a failure in my own process of not buying in on a player that could be a difference maker for legitimately no reason. Like there was no reason to think that he's not going to smash, right? Coming off his rookie year, even last year, I know he didn't, he smashed, but when he played his target share was still insane. It's still a concentrated offense, even with Bijan Robinson. We expect them to throw more with Desmond Ritter back there. I mean, Ritter back there last year, they did throw 28 times a game, which is incredibly low, but I'd expect that to pump to the 30, 31, 32 range. And he could still make a lot of noise on that small volume as long as the target share is high. So I'm feeling like I missed out. I missed out on my opportunity to get what could be a Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews type player. And Getting players like that at the price that you could have gotten Kyle Pitts four or five months ago and missing out on it is probably going to sit with me for a while. So this is tough for people to stomach, but let me just ask your opinion on this. You have a stacked team, best team in the league. It's two PPR. You have Patrick Mahomes. Are you sending Kelsey straight up for Pitts? Yes. Okay. And this is... This Send is, Kel- and- Kelsey and a first for Pitts and a second. It's a stacked team. It's a team you would already consider very good. Now, part of the reason why you may say it's very good is because you have the Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes right. stack. But I, I just look at, I don't have a lot of Kelsey, but the three I have Kelsey on, I believe are stacked with Mahomes. And I've already kind of just assumed I'm going to ride that out to zero. But then I'm sitting here going like, man, there are circumstances and you hear it on content all the time. Oh, I'd trade Pitts for Kelsey in a second. And that's just a narrow-minded view of going for the win right now. Because you know, you really want to bet on a 34, 35-year-old player when you could potentially get like the unicorn at a position that's better than a profile that'll ever come into the league again. I mean, it's risky, but don't you feel like this might be the time where you add a second to Kelsey and at least you're in the conversation with the Pitts manager as long as they are just not absolutely tanking? Yeah, and 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 most of the people in your league would probably go, I can't believe you gave up a first and Kelsey to get Pitts in a second. And I like I don't no, no, I don't care about that. You know what I'm saying? So it would be looked at as an L, but the thought process behind it being, well, there's a 12 year age discount and I know Travis Kelsey is a unicorn, and I read him, wrote him off a couple of years ago too soon. He is 34 years old, going to be 35. He can only – I can't imagine that he can continue to do this for many more years. I, I just can't imagine that. But even if he does, if Pitts hits what he's supposed to hit, 
based off his his college production, his physical profile, and his rookie year, he should turn into Travis Kelsey. Something to think about. If you have a lot of Kelsey, make sure those spots are appropriate to where you can live with the value just dropping off a cliff. Because I think it's one of those few circumstances where people are so one-track minded on what the position is and where it matters. They are willing to give up the prospect for the producer. At a, no other position is that possible. So just something to think about. I'll let you start at wide receiver. We'll do a receiver and a running back each. So who is your receiver you wish you had more of? So I guess I can't say Chris Olave since I have him in 22% of my leagues, but I do kind of want to say Chris Olave. George Pickens. I wish I had a little bit more George Pickens. I have him in three leagues, um, so it's under 10%, just barely under 10%. And mostly, I wish I could get him or had him so that I could trade him in week three after he makes two incredible catches in week one and then another incredible catch in week two. And no one realizes that he did, you know, he put up uh, 100 yards on three targets and that Deontay Johnson out-targeted him five to one. But still, you'd still be able to sell him high because he's fun to watch and Twitter blows up when there's fun players to watch, right? That's I, I swear to God, that's why people don't like Deontay Johnson, right? Because he's not fun to watch. What does he do? He's just a professional wide receiver. He's like, here, here's a 10-yard slant. Here's an 8-yard out. Here's a 10-yard dig. George Pickens is making those fun catches, you know? It's 30 yards downfield. He's pushing off the defensive back. The refs missed the call, but that's okay. They didn't call that offensive pass interference, and he makes the call, and it looks beautiful. And people's dicks get hard, and they just want it. And if I had it, I'd be able to give it to them. And I don't have it to give to them. Yeah, I have actually more pickings than I thought. I have 10% of pickings, which is, I mean, pretty standard for me to have a receiver in that range. But I agree with what you're saying. I mean, and part of my answer leads into exactly what you said with pickings. And if I would have just listened to Shane, my esteemed co-host for the last six months, I wish I had more Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Both. I only have 4% of both. So two out of 53 leagues. Now, couple of them I've traded away in package deals. So it's not that I didn't have any, but I've moved a couple of them. I believe I've moved an Olave and two Garrett Wilsons over the summer for teardowns or packages. But I wish I had even more now because I'm pretty confident that one of those two, maybe you add in one or two other receivers from last year, one of them takes a huge leap this year even to where even if they're not better than every receiver, they are seen from the community as being the clear alpha or the clear wide receiver three for whatever it is. Wilson's already there. Alave's pretty close, but wish I had a couple more in my back pocket, not just for the production that they could give, but for the real sexy window they're going to offer once they do hit that mark. And this is the prime time, like their second year where they're still seen as super young. Everyone's still excited about them. Once you get into year three, year four, people start to lose the excitement a little bit, unless the player is just absolutely out of this world elite. Uh, think about CD Lamb right now. This is CD Lamb's going to be his fourth year. He's good. People are not more excited about CD Lamb than they are Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. They're just not because they're going, man, the, those are the new guys. CD Lamb kind of is what he is. So if you go back to the teardown episode, there's a reason why I would want Alave and Wilson. It's just because I think they're one of the few assets that you can pretty much go and do whatever you want if they hit. And if I have both of them, I'm pretty sure I have a couple pieces that I know we're going to hit and they're going to be able to hit on uh, some major tier down options. So I wish I had both of those. So just real quick, real funny um, corollary. I have one CD land. and it's not because I don't like him. It's because what did I do before last season? I traded C.D. Lamb for T. Higgins in first, Amon Ross St. Brown in a first, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a pretty good chance, yeah, that's what you're going to be able to do with Alave and or Wilson after this year. 
Well, it's funny because I do practice what I preach. I'm looking right now. So I have two Garrett Wilson, two Chris Alave, two CD Lamb, three Jalen Waddle, and three, no, four Amon Ross St. Brown, and three AJ Brown. So that tier we talked about on the video, that three through eight, I'm under 8% on all of them. And then if you go to other tiers, I'm way more. I'm over 10, over 15%. So I have done a lot of that tearing off of those players in that range for lesser receivers and picks or lesser receivers and players. So I think we're, we're both practicing that. It just feels like there's going to be a peak window for the guys like Alave and Wilson because they're so young. I think it's going to be very hard to tear off of Lamb and AJ Brown. You know what I mean? Like that time has passed. They're, they're yeah. not the fresh new toys anymore where everybody has to have them. So I think that's key to have those guys as they're ascending because it just gives the options in terms of the demand out there. Like a rebuilding team is much more likely going to go gimme Chris Olave versus gimme AJ Brown. Yes. And that's why the options I think are, man, I always want to have a couple players in those tiers if I ever need to sell. So, so I, you know, just me, I have a lot of Chris Olave, like 24% of my leagues, I think something like that. Garrett Wilson, a little bit less. I wish I had more Wilson, but frankly, Chris Olave was cheaper to get in leagues um, because I guess people didn't look at the stats or they just don't believe in Chris Olave for whatever reason. But what's going to be fun is at the end of this year, if Chris Olave does what he, I think he's going to do, he's a top 10 wide receiver in points per game. Am I going to have the process? Am I going to be process minded enough to then tear off of him? Or am I going to try to hold on to him and go, I think the upside's even higher? Yeah, I think you're pretty smart though. I think you understand that even if he goes out and just absolutely does everything you've said he can do, you ride what you have because you have a lot of Chris Alave and then it's hustling time, you know, like it's, it's time to flip one of those into a uh, Marvin Harrison or flip one of those into a uh, JSN in a first or something, yeah. you know, like that, that's, that's the move yeah. where you go since you have uh, so much of them uh, running backs. I'll let you lead running backs and we'll end the show with that. Uh, our favorite position with, which I think either of us probably are not completely heartbroken that we don't have more of a running back, but what do you got here? Can I say none? I mean, I mean, look, I have I have six shares of Bijan Robinson, which is my most rostered name running back. I've got five shares of Jameer Gibbs, ton of uh, Rashad White. You know, no, no, you know who it is. You know who it is. I touted him all last year when he got drafted. Talked about his draft capital. Told everyone, hey, I, I know they don't throw to the running back, but they just spent a second round pick on this guy, and he's a hell of a pass catcher. You know, it's his world. James Cook. And then he went out there and he averaged the most yards per touch of any rookie running back last year. I apparently just remembered his first game when he fumbled on his first carry and Sean McDermott um, tried to murder him um, and hit him, put him in hiding for several weeks and didn't pay attention at the end of the year. They actually used the kid a little bit. And then they moved on from Devin Singletary. And then in the preseason... I know Damian Harris was hurt, but Damian Harris is always hurt. It looked like James Cook's uh, opportunity shares were gonna are going to be bonkers based off what he did in the preseason. So I, I wish I had more James Cook. I only have him in three leagues, and he's a guy I touted all last year. Yeah, that's ironic because you were very high on James Cook. You were very much into just buy James Cook and you know trust the trust the process of the offense and whatever but you know i actually think that i would have said the same answer before i even knew what yours was going to be but part of it is not for the reason you would think i don't think you can sell a guy like james cook but i think in the right build somebody like james cook is great to have because you just 
you just play him. He's attached to the offense. The way he scores points is going to be the way that you think it's favorable for you to have production at running back, but only if it's in your lineup. Especially the way we build teams, he is the perfect running back where you just go, all right, he's my RB2. I'm just going to play him. And if he's good, he's going to produce. He may not produce top 20 numbers, but he's going to give you weeks where he produces. But you have to have access to him. So even I think his floor is very good if you roster construct around him. Man, outside of James Cook, it's tough because there's a lot of other ones. I'm looking at my shares. I mean, I'm low on Travis Etienne. I'm low on Rashad White. I'm low on Kenneth Walker. I'm low on Zach Charbonnet. I'm low on Najee Harris. I'm low on Javante Williams. Like all of those, I actually don't mind being low. So I think I'd have to say Brees Hall. Um, I think I had four Brees Hall last year. I sold three of them when he got injured. A couple of them for, were for deals that I wish I could take back. And I think that's that. I, I underestimated the bounce back value that Brees Hall could have. Now, it's interesting because Brees Hall's value is bounce back. But I actually think if he doesn't come out and play well this year, the value will go down again right? Like he needs at some point to show he's healthy and be what he was last year. Can't just all be living on this mythical potential of what he had last year. Oh, he'll get back. He'll be fine. Uh, So I do think he's kind of at his peak value, like RB3 in Dynasty. It's going to be tough for him to get higher than that. And I think we both underestimated just how quickly the market would buy back into him when they didn't do the same on Akers or Dobbins or Javante Williams. So yeah, I think with Brees Hall, the lesson learned is understand who the player was and how good they were and how much people loved them before the injury and then weigh the injury based on that because I think that is the biggest driver of everything. If people weren't fully bought in of him being elite before, then you have questions about the injury. But if it's an elite player that suffers a season-long injury, if they come back, the market's going to be almost right back to where it was. The only reason Brees Hall's market is a little lower is because the running back market as a whole is lower. But I think relative to the landscape, he's just where he was last year. Like literally like RB2 range. You know, I I don't have a lot of convicted player takes, but when I do, I should probably try to um, heed them. Because again, Brees Hall was a guy that I was absolutely in love with. I had a lot of Brees Hall. I traded Brees Hall for too light. To sometimes, you know, it, it, it's best to, you know what, let me take 24 hours, 48 hours and think this through before I make a move like that, that I don't have to make today. I don't, you know, uh, even if there's a game on Thursday, I probably have three days to think about this before I even have to worry about filling my roster. So just sometimes just slow down, make sure this is the move that you actually want to make. One good thing about having a portfolio is I always kind of know where I stand generally with how the week feels. You know, I know if some of these players we talked about today smash and I'm watching red zone and I see Brees Hall went for two touchdowns and six for 90 on the ground and eight catches or whatever it is. You know, Mm -hmm. I know I'm probably struggling because I don't have a lot of Brees Hall and I bet you I'm playing them in seven leagues, you know, and same with the quarterbacks and then vice versa. The players that we have a lot of exposure to, maybe we'll do a separate video on that. I know if those guys get hurt and leave the game earlier, I see they had a two-point game, I'm in trouble because I probably had, you know, that. You probably had Chris Olave starting in nine leagues, and if he has six points, you're like, oh, that's not good because that's one of my better assets on my team. So you you ride those ups and downs with your portfolio, but that's all I have to say. You got any closeout words? No, man, this was fun. Maybe we will do too many players, players that we have too much of. Although, again, I think the way that we play, there's probably not any players that we would go, I have too many of this guy. Yeah, maybe that'll be a separate video where we talk like some portfolio strategy of once we get to a certain percentage, what's the move, especially if the market isn't exactly what you think it would be. So Mannequin Chill, out. Happy start of the 2023 season to everybody, and we will see you soon.